Thanks for listening today. Our title sponsor is Peterson Toyota, a great Ram Nation partner that prides itself on excellent service and delivering you the vehicle that is right for you. They've been in business more than 50 years and they are the largest dealership in Northern Colorado. Hop online and check out the new full-size SUV, the 2023 Sequoia with 437 horsepower, 9,000 pounds towing, seating for up to seven or eight people, and a 14-inch touchscreen. You'll be amazed at Peterson's entire selection and their knowledgeable, friendly staff will help you find the right vehicle for you. If you're in the market for a new or used vehicle, please give Peterson Toyota first shot at your business. Thanks, enjoy the show. Welcome to Ram Nation Radio. I'm Joel Cantalamessa, joined by Mike Rowe. Today we've got Joe Parker, CSU Athletic Director, joining us. He is in Las Vegas. He was out there for the women's opener against San Jose State last night. He will be out there through Saturday when the hopefully the men are playing in the championship game that afternoon. But uh, what a what a great week to be a Ram. The big win over Boise State to close the season. You sweep the regular season champs. Really, unfortunately, we couldn't have held on against Wyoming earlier, you know, a month ago and and won one of those UNLV games that showed up for one of them. And unfortunately, we just we were a game shy of catching Boise. But regardless, an incredible, incredible environment at Moby Arena the other night, Saturday night, packed house. I saw so many friends there that I had not seen at games in years. I brought two that hadn't been there, one that hadn't been there in 10 years, one that hadn't been there in several years. And they were just floored by what a great experience it was at the game and what a great product, obviously, the, on the court. Uh, and then Moby was just rocking. A uh, buddy of mine, Scott Garrett, was one of the guys who went with me, and he he was in college during the tiny Grant era. And so he was, you know, he remembers fondly upon those days and when students would camp out and you'd pack in 10, 11,000, you know, way over capacity and you had the fire marshal all concerned and people standing in the aisles of just mayhem. But he said, uh, Saturday night was as good as it gets, you know, as, as good as those nights. So even with a couple thousand less in capacity now, it's uh, Moby, Moby's rocking when full and when there's enthusiasm and when you got a good product and just a fantastic, fantastic night. So much fun. And so now uh, conference tournament start off Thursday night, draw Utah State, which I guess, uh, you know, there's it's the lesser of evils. It's between them and Fresno, I think is probably the two you'd pick as your options uh, that that night ahead of anyone else. But neither of those are even <laughs> desirable either because beating Utah State three times in a season is going to be difficult. They've got some great players and shooters that could get hot. Justin Bean as a you know, and a lot of other conferences, probably a player of the year kind of guy. And you got to find a way to win that one. You win that, it'll be a quad two win, you know, to add to your resume. It's you're already a 12 and three and the quads one and two, just a tremendous resume. But you have an opportunity to really build on that with a couple more wins. You get a chance to beat Utah State, most likely. Uh, they're probably going to win their opener. And then, uh, and then probably San Diego State, barring an upset. So Friday in a semifinal game, probably against San Diego State, and that's going to be a, a doozy. It's going to be a really tough game. They they are right up there with Boise as uh, top defense in the league, and they do not make it easy on you. Uh, but I do like that matchup. I actually kind of like that matchup rather than playing having to play Boise there in the semi uh, and try to beat them a third time. Hopefully you don't have to do that until the final. So a great opportunity to build upon your success and your resume and hopefully get, you know, a, 
I've seen, I, I've heard the CBS sports network guys say, if you win the conference championship uh, tournament, you could move all the way up to a five. But I think, you know, even if you get to that semifinal, uh, if you get to the final, you're probably looking at a, at worst seven seed. So um, likely a six seed. So everything, everything is in flux. There's a lot of things that can change, but CSU has really set them up and set themselves up in a good position. And hopefully the conference has as well. Hopefully you get four in and, I, I always like rooting for fellow Mountain West teams in the NCAA tournament. We have not been good in basically uh, in the tournament. We have not not performed well as a conference. So hopefully this year changes that, get some wins, start collecting some some of those NCAA credits, and uh, just be nice to to see some success to validate the kind of season that that we've had. So looking forward to getting out to Vegas here in a couple of days. That, uh, but uh, let's go ahead and bring in Joe Parker. All right, joining us now live from Las Vegas, Joe Parker, CSU Athletic Director. He's out for the women's portion of the Mountain West Conference Championships. He'll be out through the rest of uh, the weekend for the men's, which begins Wednesday night. Rams play Thursday night. Uh, Joe, how is Vegas right now? You're coming off of a, a nice blowout win. Didn't have to sweat anything out. Number six seed Rams beat San Jose State by almost 40 last night. So, uh how how you feeling? Yeah, it was a great great game. You know, um, I got in just before, so travel getting out of DIA was a little bit uh, slow just because of some de-icing. But you know, got got the hotel, drop bags, went straight over to Thomas and Mac, and yeah, it was wonderful to see the the women's team play so well. Um, you know, they had really established themselves on defense and and uh, you know had a lot of sharing on the offensive side of the ball. So it was good to see that. Yeah, so uh, tonight we've got the rubber match of the, the Border War. The Lady Rams will face Wyoming tonight. Is it the 9 o'clock game? Uh, 8.35, I think, is tip. Yeah, close enough, huh? So uh, yeah. you never know. Games always seem to get pushed back there as well, so it's going to be a late one. But uh, that, That's Pacific time, yeah. So. Yeah, Pacific time, yep. So how's uh, Coach feeling going into that game uh, they split in the regular season. How, how's coach feeling? Yeah, I saw him in the lobby. Um, well, last night, you know, they, they came in and, and immediately, you know, started kind of thinking about what was next with Wyoming. Um, I think all the team got a snack and then the coaches started reviewing film. And I went down to the lobby this morning and um, Ryan was already down there with uh, a couple of the assistants reviewing film to share with the team they were going to have breakfast and then go right into a film session so they're they're focused you know they they uh you know they want to get this one more than any other um i saw carly murphy she was getting some coffee down the starbucks here in the lobby at weston and she was saying this is her favorite game you know it's a fist fight and it's brutal in the paint you know a lot of pushing a lot of shoving but she said it's that's uh that's what she likes to do so we'll see I know you and I talked previously about, uh, you know, you and coach talking about, you know, do we want to make ourselves available for the NIT if that comes calling? Um, certainly it sounds like you want to do that uh, at 19 and 10, nine and nine in Mount West play is, is does more work need to be done to, to be considered there. You think you're in decent shape. Uh, uh, yeah. Well, I mean, we, we had to make, obviously it. you want to run the table and, and win the championship. Yeah, yeah ab absolutely. Um, you know, we, the WNIT functions differently than the, the men's NIT. I mean, it's operated by triple crown, which is in Fort Collins. Um, you know, so it's, it's a, it's a for-profit 
venture for them. Um, you know, we had to submit our our application for consideration by uh, Friday, I think it was. We went ahead and did that. Um, you know, but yeah, I mean, you know, what's ahead? Hopefully, hopefully, a lot of wins in the in the conference tournament, and maybe an opportunity to be the automatic qualifier out of uh, out of our league for the NCAA. But short of that, you know, if there's a, a chance to play and extend postseason, then, you know, Ryan said that, you know, in conversations with this team, they want to continue to play as long as they can. It, what people don't realize that it's a it, it is a basically a pay for play kind of proposition, right? You want to give that experience to the, the team and the coaching staff. And but uh, it's not a cheap thing to, to send your team to the NIT. No, it, it, it's uh, like I said, the, the business model there is nothing like the, you know, what the men have with the, the, the NIT, you know, hopefully, you know, as we discuss equity and, and athletics across men and women's, you know, maybe there'll be an opportunity at some point for the NCAA to absorb it. Um, but, but that would come obviously with some cost because the rights to that tournament are owned, are owned by Triple Crown. Well, looking forward to that game tonight. Uh, hopefully the, the ladies can keep keep playing well here and, and make a good run here in the tournament. Uh, congrats, by the way, on a, a really fun men's basketball season. Uh, the Mountain West stretch has been awesome, but the entire season in general has just been awesome. The five straight sellouts to close the year. Enthusiasm around the program is awesome. I, it's It's been so exciting being there for all those games, and hopefully that continues into the conference tournament, the NCAA tournament, and then hopefully just the, it catches on in, in coming seasons. But um, in averaging – you know, almost what, almost 6,500 fans this year, a game, it's gotta be good for the bottom line, right? Is that, how does that translate into, uh, into dollars as a head of projections? Is it, you know, how, how does that all fit into your, the, what you manage as part of the financial? Yeah. Team? Yeah. You know, um, you know, people in the building, the more people in the building, um, you know, obviously mean better things from up for us from a financial perspective, we did achieve five sellouts. The first, the first three really didn't recognize um, a financial windfall because we just we just the student demand was overwhelming this year. So for those first three sellouts, we just continued to let students in the building. You know, we hold I think it's about twenty five hundred seats for students ordinarily out of the, the building capacity, which is just under eighty one hundred. And um, you know, I think at times we had close to four thousand students in the building for those first three sellouts. Um, and then as, as, you know, kind of the public demand picked up, we just started to restrict, um, the students back to their more customary allotment. And, and so, yes, the last two games, we, uh, we did recognize a financial windfall. You know, I think both of those sellouts meant uh, about a hundred thousand dollars in incremental ticket sales each. So that's, that's good. That's meaningful. You guys honored three seniors on, uh, uh, the other night and obviously you know one for sure is can't come back Chandler Jacobs the other two you do is that like something that they'll decide after the end of the season and you guys just decided hey just in case they don't come back they decide that they are going to end their careers we want to make sure we honor them is that how that works and then you know when what is the process for for you know if they just want to return you know is there a certain date you need to know by otherwise how do you 
how do you uh, work on recruiting for the the next year? You know, yeah, I, I, I think both Adam and Kendall have earned the opportunity to do whatever they think is in their best interest. And I know Nico is approaching it that way. He's not putting any pressure on them to make a, a decision until they're ready to make that decision. Um, you know, they, they, they felt uh, that it was <laughs> good to, to go ahead and do the senior honors um, at that final home game. And, you know, if they do decide to come back, which they're welcome to do, um, you know, what, what's the harm in having two senior days, right? So that was kind of Nico's attitude. I mean, those guys have meant so much to our program and establishing the culture that, that Nico is trying to create within our locker room for men's basketball. Uh, just the, the, the dedication, the commitment that they've made and uh, the way that they've mentored, you know, the classes beneath them uh, has been, you know, just so much to our program. So, so those two guys, you know, love to see them back, but obviously it's, it's, it's their choice, entirely their choice to decide. And, uh, you know, Adam, I think, has aspirations to go to graduate school. You know, he can accomplish that at CSU for certain. Um, you know, Kendall, just such a great guy, and he's, he's navigating to, you know, his undergraduate work and, you know, certainly – um, you know, a graduate degree could be in his future, you know, so, but totally up to them. And I think that's timing wise, you know, I, I couldn't tell you, you know, I, I'm sure that when the season wraps, uh, whenever that moment is, you know, Nico's going to want to have some conversations with them just to decide, you know, what, what they need to do from a recruiting perspective, if there is a decision for them to, to hang up their jerseys here at CSU. I got to tell you, this is kind of an aside, but I had two friends with me on Saturday uh, that had not been to a game all year. And actually both, neither one of them hadn't been in probably 10 years. And how can they be your friends, Joel? I mean, <laughs> listen, I got some bad friends, but um, anyway, they, they were blown away, Joe, by the, obviously the product is, is awesome, but uh, the atmosphere and the, the presentation, the, um, everything around it, the operations of, you know, pregame, they were just blown away. And so it, it was a perfect storm of getting a packed house, then giving a great win and having everything else, just everything else just went perfectly. And I think that this only can just continue to grow going forward. And, and I hope that, but so kudos to you again. Uh, it's been an awesome, awesome year. Uh, I want to ask you uh, how has, you know, you see Dave Roddy, um, has probably been the biggest name here, but how, how did, what's been your experience in NIL so far this year with uh, across all sports, I guess, so far, do you, do you feel like it's where you thought it would be? Do you feel like our university, our opportunities are on par with others in our, you know, peer institutions anyway, or are we behind? Um, it, it, it's been interesting. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not sure how to make a, a total assessment of it right now. I, I don't think we're behind. Um, I don't think we're on the front edge of it. It, uh, you know, the way that it's supposed to function, it's, it's really, um, you know, at the, at the commitment of the students themselves as to whether they want to put, you know, effort into monetizing their name, image, likeness. And so last summer, you know, we've had that conversation. We, we informed them, we shared our enthusiasm for the opportunity that that was in front of them and, and we put some tools in place and resources in place to help them navigate, you know, the space. And, and uh, honestly, there weren't many of our students that, that, that said that that's a, an area that they had a lot of interest in. They wanted to put, you know, a lot of effort and time and, 
and commitment. And we have had a few, um, you know, David in, in men's basketball, uh, McKenna in uh, women's basketball, uh, of course, Trey McBride. I mean, those are the three, I think, that, that you know, did more than others just by virtue of the profiles that they've created for themselves here at CSU. Uh, and then there's others that have had modest activity, um, you know, and we continue to survey it, survey it, uh, you know, what's, what seems to be developing now at the A5 level are what they're referring to as collectives where donors are uh, setting up nonprofits or LLCs and they're collecting money that they're then, uh, you know, figuring out ways to, to, to uh, distribute to student athletes on, on rosters. And there must be a quid pro quo. So a student needs to do something to get something. And I think the more, the most prevalent uh, model that's been developed through these collectives are the, the students being obligated to do something for local charities. And, um, you know, I, you know, you, you, you read some of the media reporting, you know, I'm not sure how accurate things are. You know, I, I know a few of the A5s that I have uh, close familiarity with, they've, a few of those programs have established collectives. It's been all at the at the uh, effort of donors. Uh, no no involvement from the athletic department administration or their coaches. It's just you know donors that have means that just decide that they want to again you know uh, do something to help their institution. Um, and you know w- whether that happens at CSU or or within our peer group is is yet to be determined, I suppose. But but uh, you know what we plan to do is continue to give our our, our students uh, the appropriate education and tools and resources. We've had conversations with a group called Brander that works on uh, developing a group licensing model for a department, and and we'll probably step off in that direction. And and in that way, if there's a student that developed a profile or a group of students developed a profile that, that had a strong fan interest, um, you know, merchandisers, retailers could, you know, develop a hot market t-shirt that might sell and the, and the royalties from that would be shared with the student athlete or group of student athletes. So we're, we're just, you know, trying to do, you know, do everything we can. I mean, obviously for us, there's a lot of unmet needs and priorities. So, you know, but you also don't want to, don't want to lose sight of what what could be a, a significant trend in intercollegiate athletics. Kind of shifting gears, but this has always been interesting to me. You're going to find out next Sunday where our men's basketball team is being shipped off. How do you put together in just like three days, two days, whatever it may be, uh, a trip to take a whole uh, basketball organization, you know, in in be ready to go within just a couple of days. Yeah. It, you know, it's, it's what we do, you know, throughout the entire season, regular season, and certainly the last two years with COVID, you know, there's, there's sudden change and a need for adaptability. So it's not as hard as you could possibly, you know, that, that you would think, I mean, the, the NCAA does a lot of the groundwork for you so that you just kind of get plugged into their framework and, and you move through it. You know, probably the biggest thing is just, you know, getting all the, the uh, identity information to, um, you know, shorts travel that, that does all the planning for the NCAA as far as charter and, you know, getting your room assignments out to them and, and then working hard to sell the allotment to your fan base and, and everyone shows up and starts playing and hopefully winning and, 
survive in advance. You know, that's yeah. the plan. Well, hopefully it'd be nice to get four, four league teams in. Uh, it'd be nice from just an exposure standpoint. It'd be nice from a revenue standpoint. Can you explain how the, the uh, credits work with the NCAA uh, tournament and how the, the league divvies that out, how that, how that gets paid out to each university? Yeah. I mean, what the credits earned by the league, by each individual institution accrued directly to the conference office. And then, and then there's an equal share back out. So we've, we've, we've uh, adopted that equal share model. So any team that gets in, you know, first game played earns a credit and then every game thereafter earns a credit. Um, and, um, you know, once, once all those are accrued, they're, they're, you know, they're distributed, I think over a six year period. So, you know, that's why past credits are important, um, you know, to fill the pipeline consistently with schools that are participating. And hopefully this year, you know, you're right. I mean, we, 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 we haven't been in this situation in a while where it looks like we could have three, four schools that, that likely, um, play and hopefully continue to win. And hopefully it's us that wins more than anyone else. Yeah. Win when you get there and hopefully it's us. Agreed. Yeah. Uh, well, I saw, uh, <clears throat> I saw Kyle Neves and he's popped his head in here eavesdropping on us, but uh, I saw he sent out a uh, 80 page financials report yesterday and I have not had a chance to browse through that. I think he's trying to wow us with, with numbers. So no one sees what's really going on, but it's too much, too much information there for me to parse through, but anything interesting, Joe, we on, you know, where you want to be uh, with debt, service and everything with the stadium and everything else. Yeah. You know, what, what we released were our, our, our the financial year for FY 22. So that was, you know, the, the significantly um, impacted year uh, where we had no fans. Yeah. Um, good, good news is, is, is we did what we've been able to do, um, you know, since I've been on board and that is we, we met or, or, or uh, bettered the plan that we had put in place. So, in our case, every year we try and take less institutional support than was originally uh, budgeted, and, and we did that this year. Uh, or, well, when I say this year, I mean FY22. Um, and, and you know, I mean, it was it was a tough year. I mean, we we really you know self-generated revenues were significantly impacted without having fans in the stands, but we also saw people respond by um, you know keeping their money in place when they paid for those. 20, you know, the, the, the 2021 season tickets, both fall of 21 and then, and then uh, the basketball tickets and volleyball tickets for, for uh, the 2021 year. And then, you know, David Crum and his team also were able to, and, and others, I mean, we, we had many other people within the department that were part of the Stalwart Ram Relief Fund effort, calling people to encourage them to convert you know, the money that they had in for tickets for outright contributions. And we were successful enough to, to have people contribute $2 million towards that effort. So all those things helped us, you know, meet our financial plan. And, and it's, you know, it's not going to get really any easier for the next few years. It's going to still be a challenge. We need to continue to encourage people to show up and be a part of it and be supportive. And that's what we're going to do. But yeah, we met the financial plan for the stadium and, and the, the overall financial plan for the department last year. All right, let me pause real quick and mention Ginger and Baker. We rave about them every week, 
If you don't know them by now, you got to get to know them. They are located in an historic 100-year-old grain mill that was masterfully renovated. It's home to two restaurants, the Cash and the Cafe. It also has a coffee shop, a bakery, teaching kitchen, event spaces, and a market. It's become such a great gathering place for dining, shopping, hanging out with friends, enjoying a homemade slice of pie. The cafe has got great comfort food, biscuits, fried chicken, pot pies, eggs over easy, great breakfasts, working lunches, delicious dinners. And the cash upstairs has a similar style. It's just a little elevated, featuring great Colorado steaks and chops, mouth-watering sides, fine wine, decadent desserts. It is an awesome, awesome place in a great environment. Please check it out. Support our friend Ginger Graham and her Fort Collins gem, Ginger and Baker. Joe, thanks for uh, being on with us again. I know Joel and I appreciate it. And, and I know all our listeners and, and Ram Nation really appreciate it. So thanks again. Um, so Coach Medved was given an extension uh, at the conclusion of last season, along with an upgrade on his assistant coaching pool. Will this be something that will be revisited uh, this offseason? I know that he'll probably be in demand as well as some of his young assistants like Ali and Aaron. Yeah, every every year, you know, particularly when you're having the success that we're having this season, you know, want to give you want to give a lot of thought to what would be required to, you know, to keep you know the current staff's focus. You know, Nico does an incredible job of leading our program. Um, you know, so we're, you know, we're thinking about what that could be, should be. Um, you know, and we'll have the appropriate dialogue at the appropriate time to to, uh, you know, keep his focus, you know, last year, he, you know, he's, as we all know, just an incredible person and very gracious. And uh, the conversation, you know, the priorities for him were just more years on his term uh, and, and more money, more resources to distribute across his salary pool for his assistance. And he asked nothing for himself, um, you know, recognized that it was a tough budget year and, and that we'd be in another one this year. But, you know, as, as I think forward, you know, we've got to do something to address his, current compensation um you know he's he's uh, about the midpoint of the league uh with four uh even maybe five people ahead of him right now and and certainly you know you know the performance that he's delivering with his leadership you know merits more consideration so i know a lot of opposing fans and media members have talked about this i know a lot of our fans have mentioned it um our PA system at Moby. Um, are we looking at any upgrades to this in the off season? Uh, not in the off season, you know, like there's, there's so, you know, I think priorities for me end up being needs and wants and uh, you know, yeah, it's not great, but there's Mike, there's a long list of things that I think will be, um, you know, more impactful, particularly for the student experience. And uh, you know, it, it you know, I, I think, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll sit down and evaluate kind of all things related to Moby at some point, but you know, the, the football or rather the, the basketball locker rooms are, you know, have been the big focus for the last two uh, plus years. Those are on track right now for completion, August of 15. Um, or I'm sorry, August 15th. So, I mean, I'm talking this year. So that's one thing that we haven't really shared too much, you know, have talked to Kyle and Chris Ferris about beginning to tell that pro that, that, that story a little more aggressively. Um, it was a $7 million project that now is fully funded and, uh, we've got a design build firm in place and almost at 100% construction drawings. They started demo 
last week. And as I said, August 5th, August 15th is the completion date. And this last week, we, in separate meetings of men and women's basketball, we shared the plans and you wouldn't believe the enthusiasm that that generated in the room. Um, both, both, uh, both teams are given Upe and, and uh, Carly and then, and then Chandler on the men's side, a hard time because they're, they're not going to live in those locker rooms. You know, they're not going to have a team experience in those locker rooms. So it was, it was kind of the, the, the subtle joke uh, in both of those meetings amongst those teams about those that were not going to be able to experience it, but it's going to be first class, world-class really excited about the design that we're coming up with. Um, you know, we're working with all the top vendors in the nation, whether it be locker vendors and, uh, environmental graphics people, um, the, the fixtures and finishes are going to be top notch. The wet areas, you know, both the shower rooms and, and, and bathrooms are going to be look like a high end spa space. So it's going to be really, really awesome. And, and, uh, what I love about it too, is it's tucked, you know, deep into Moby arena. So it's, you, you wouldn't expect it. Right. So, you know, when you're bringing prospective students through the space, you know, it's going to be this, this incredible reveal when they turn the corner and walk down that corridor and then they actually enter those locker rooms. So it's going to be really, really a needed asset and, and something I think that will, you know, further, you know, put another arrow in the quiver for both coach Williams and, and quote coach Medved as they work to recruit and build these programs. What is That's the, great uh, to hear. I, I know that I had most of my classes were in Moby uh, and I know there hasn't been a lot of upgrades, uh, since then and that was a long time ago holy cow um so that's great to hear Love are you guys it. are you guys using the joey porter locker room for anything now uh just just on a kind of an ad hoc temporary basis where, where we're landing the locker rooms for basketball is the old strength and conditioning center which is on the north side of the court yeah so that entire corridor it's about um and close to nine thousand square feet and and we did we had to move the feeling station that services all the Moby students. And we've, we've landed that in kind of a temporary operation in the Joey Porter locker room. And eventually we're going to, we're going to work on that South end, uh, you know, cause we will have obviously the, the old locker room for both men and women's basketball that will be, you know, open and available to, 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 you know, use immediately for existing teams and then eventually, you know, go through a full renovation update of those spaces. But, the, the Joy Porter, I think, eventually will be our, our permanent feeling station. Um, uh, and, and then, you know, we may create a kind of swing space. You know, right now, uh, Nico and his staff have been using that for the round ball club. So that's people that are giving discretionary annual gifts to the basketball program. And so they do a pregame activity in that space uh, where the coaches come in and do a, a, a chalk talk about the opponent. And that's gained a lot of momentum this year and, and probably will continue to do so. And then the other thing we'd like to do at that South side too, is um, think about our programs like men and women's track and field uh, tennis, um, the two golf programs, they don't have a space in Moby when they come and use the strength conditioning center, just to simply kind of drop a bag and a change of clothes, shower up, change for class and move on. So um you know, that, that's, those are some of the things that, that, that will be important to incorporate in that South side when we finally do that, which we viewed as a phase two project of Moby, you know, ever since the basketball locker rooms were launched. No upgrades to the uh, opposing team's locker rooms, right? 
<laughs> uh, no plan for that. No, I don't see a need there. I mean, exactly. Uh, they, they've got they've got water and a place to hang their clothes. That's about all they need. <laughs> That's great. Hey, do you follow the uh, the metrics very closely for the NCAA tournament uh, that the, that the committee would use in in deciding seeds and who gets in, who get who, who gets left out? I I, I feel like our resume is really strong in all aspects, except for this BPI, which is run by what ESPN. And uh, it seems like they're, they've penalized a lot of the Mountain West teams. And there's some, there's all over social media, there's been examples of this. People have kind of broken it down. And there's a lot of talk about, should this even be allowed in when you've got some, some natural biases that they might have against teams and conferences not affiliated with ESPN and ABC networks. Do you, you know anything about that? Have you have you thought about that and, and what uh, it look like? You know, just just about as much as you've described. You know, I I, I haven't uh, devoted a lot of energy to it. You know, I, I do think that you know as you kind of get closer to crunch time and they've got to fill the brackets out, there there always seems to me, um, you know, a lot of pressure, a lot of momentum to to make some choices that that might favor the A fives. Um, you know, that's. That's my perspective. I think the answer for for us or anyone else in the Mountain West or Group of Five is to just, you know, aggressively schedule and and try and win as many of those games as you possibly can. And you know, for us, I think the improvement in league play, you know, will will help. Um, you know, that's always been something that they've used to kind of depreciate our team's performances. Uh, but you know, there's a lot of strength across the Mountain West. Um, you know, so. It's it's uh, you know I think I think if if we don't find a way to get you know three or certainly four teams in this year you know then 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 it's going to be a real challenge and but you know Nico gets it I mean he's focused and you know they got to they got to perform this week to kind of continue to build the resume and and strengthen their arguments for being a part of what's next. Um, Aaron, who's on Nico's staff, is probably the guru of all those things. He spends a lot of time. Uh, focused on on all of the all the metrics and trying to brief the staff on them. Do you have uh, Commissioner Thompson's not part of the committee? Anymore. He's not this year. No, no, he's he's cycled off. Yeah. So when he was, were you privy to like, hey, this this is looking good or this isn't looking good, or or are you pretty much you find out on on Sunday? You know, they, 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 you know, this week of conference play, the whole committee is, is sequestered. So there's not really any exchange of information that's going in or out of their decision-making. You know, Craig was always, has always been helpful in, in discussions with the ADs about what's important. And, and, it, and it, so much of that relates back to the scheduling. So we've tried to implement some of that feedback into our scheduling models. And Dave Diggett, who, you know, is also, you know, overseas men's basketball in the NCAA, you know, he, he's actually a couple of years ago came in and talked to the group of ADs about it. And, um, you know, we've got a lot of consultants that, that help us understand that space and, and, you know, present to us models in which we, they believe will help us, you know, position teams for success postseason. The San Diego union tribune had a pretty good article about this that came out this morning, but, uh, and this has affected CSU in the past, but, what do you think about and the potential for playing a semifinal game at, you know, nine o'clock at night, getting done after, you know, close to midnight almost, and then turn around and playing a championship game 15 hours later, you know, uh, at 3 p.m. On, on Saturday. This, this has kind of always been a, the one 
conundrum we have with, you know, TV says you got to play your value to us in the evening and, you know, your championship game is going to be in the afternoon time slot on Saturday. And is this just something you have to live with or. Yeah, it, it is. And I, I think it's just something, you know, at this point in time, we need to live with, you know, um, you know, when you're, when they're trying to schedule on linear platforms, you know, there just isn't, there just isn't enough time in a day, quite frankly, you know, when, when everyone's in conference tournament play in a single week, you know, they've got to figure out a way to kind of manage it into the, the time available. So, you know, it, it is one of those is what it is uh, moments for us. Um, you know, I, I think that's, that's what, you know, you know, I think that's why Nico has been really thoughtful in the way that he's tried to put his, his roster together with talent, you know, that goes deep into the bench just because the rotation becomes so meaningful at this time of year. Joe, it seems like on a nightly basis, uh, the, every game, every team has to, has to have officiating that hasn't been great. Uh, kind of horrendous at the mountain West level. Is this an ongoing conversation, uh, between you and your colleagues in the Mountain West? Uh, and are there any solutions to, to try to make this better? Uh, it, it, it is an ongoing conversation. And, and um, you know, I, th- I think some of the criticism is valid. Some of it may not be so valid, um, y- you know, and, and certainly, you know, when you're, when you're looking at it, you know, you're, you're looking at it through a, you know, a biased perspective because, you know, everyone's got their favorite, you know, team and, and, you know, depending on how the, the officials evaluate activities on the court, you know, kind of colors how you feel about the officiating, but, but yeah, I mean, it, it, um, you know, it's been ongoing conversation. I think it's going to continue to be just that, you know, I think we've got to get better at, um, you know, finding a way to, to hold, um, you know, the officials accountable, you know, to all of what they're doing, you know, they, you know, each and every one of us teams and coaches and administrators, you know, we're trying to get better every day. And that's not saying that the officials aren't themselves, but, you know, I, I would say there needs to be a little more transparency in, in how um, officials are evaluated and, and what, what uh, recourse there is when they, when they do make, you know, mistakes or at least egregious mistakes. Is there, is there talk of, of finally going to a full uh, schedule? with home and homes for every team. I know San Diego state had been the loudest on pushing back on that, but when we see a growth from top to bottom in the mountain West, um, you know, a 20 game schedule, it seems like you'd be the most fair for the, all the teams. I, I couldn't agree more. We're one of those programs that would favor a 20 game conference schedule. Um, you know, it, it, it uh, I think it was 19, 2019, uh, we as ADs uh, had that discussion, voted uh, for a 20-game schedule. We did have a majority that agreed that that would be in the best interest of the conference. Um, it gets advanced to the, the presidents, which they're the board of directors of the Mountain West. And um, it ended up getting – the discussion got disrupted and tabled because of COVID, and we're trying to get that back, uh, back in front of the board of directors right now. And, you know, you know, everyone lobbies for their own best interest. Everyone gets very parochial and, and provincial, you know, and focused on what's in their best interest. You know, I, I can adamantly argue that a 20 game schedule would be, you know, best for for Colorado State and likely best for the conference. And, uh, you know, San Diego State can probably do the best thing, you know, do the same thing for themselves when it's what's in, when it's an 18 game schedule. 
but eventually, you know, we'll get a chance to have the 11 schools make a full evaluation of what's in their best interest. And hopefully that maps over to what people think is in the league's best interest. And, and we get a vote that will affirm, you know, uh, once and for all, whether we're going to be at 18 or 20. And, and certainly, you know, I'd love us to be at 20. It's just for us, you know, for all the reasons you said, you know, it, it'd be great to play a full round robin so that you get balance in the outcomes of the, of the regular season and, and you know who's truly the champion. Um, and then, you know, from a, from a financial perspective too, for us, it's, it's hard to find schools that are willing to come and play in Fort Collins at altitude, certainly not as hard as it is in, at, at Wyoming. I think Tom Berman and his staff, you know, have, have a lot more difficulty than we do, but, but, you know, we'd love to see 20 games. You know, I think our, our league is improving. I think that's an investment we'd like to make in, in ourselves. And, and uh, certainly I think it's, it's, you know, becoming the most common model uh, throughout college basketball. So this year we had uh, the flex pass. I know my family and I, we had a 20 game flex pass. And for those that don't know what it is, it's, it's you buy 20 tickets and you could use them however you want. Um, it was great for us because, you know, those weeknight games, my wife and daughter were going to come up to Fort Collins. And, and luckily, Joel Joel was willing to pick up this hitchhiker and take me along with him. But uh, what were those numbers? Do you know what those numbers were like as far as people getting the flex passes? You know, I, I Mike, I should know, but I don't. So I'll, <laughs> I'll try and find out for you if you need them. But, you know, you know, we've been really, you know, Chris Ferris and Matt Carson and other members of the external team have done a really nice job, I think, in developing um, opportunities that hopefully start to reduce, you know, the, the reasons why people wouldn't want to be associated with some kind of ticket package for any of our programs. You know, in, in football, they've done the, the kickoff guarantee and, you know, that that's reduced that that you know, the, the, the reason that people would say they can't, you know, they don't want to buy a season ticket strip because, you know, obviously if there's a kick time, game time, it doesn't work, you know, you can exchange those tickets for, um, you know, opportunities that might be better for your schedule. But um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, you know, I think what, what we've learned through these last five sellouts is that every, every way we can sell a ticket is important. So, you know, obviously the, the base, the basis, the foundation for the program is season tickets. And we're going to continue to push that. And, you know, when you see the secondary market take the leaps that it did over the last couple of weeks, um, you know, that just affirms the value of a season ticket and certainly the value of, of a flex pass too. Yeah, I know <laughs> for that Wyoming game, I, I decided late to go and I was in the very top row um, <laughs> for that game. How was it, how was it up there? You know, my my nose finally stopped bleeding a few days later, but no, it was odd. Actually, it was great. Yeah, I, w- I was right next to a ton of Wyoming students, and they brought a lot of energy. It was it was good. It was a, it was a fun time. Yeah, yeah. No, I, you know, Moby's a special place. I, I love it as a as a, a venue, especially when it's full. You know, it just makes such a difference, and and uh, you know, it's exciting. You know, and tell you what, you know, if people have been rewarded almost every game this year with, with, you know, just a special experience. So. Yes. Oh, it's, it's been great. It's been fun. Um, so as, as fans prepare for the 2022 uh, football season, uh, whether trying to make plans to travel to Fort Collins or, or on the away games, when are we going to start hearing about the kickoff times and, and our TV partners? 
Yeah, uh, you know, first part is just, you know, kind of getting the base schedule lined up. And now, now you know, the TV partners are starting to evaluate that and, and make their decisions on selections. Of course, CBS selects first, and then uh, Fox selects as our secondary partner. I would expect by uh, end of April, we should be pretty clear on, on what kick times look like. Um, you know, and then and then there's always the flexibility for them to slide too as as the season develops. But but we'll have some kick times I think to share with people by the end of April. At that time, Joe, do you think you'll have you know ideas of homecoming and what those special dates are going to be? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, we've we've got those ideas already. We're just you know the one thing you never want to have happen is homecoming gets you know slides off Saturday. You know, so we're just waiting. Um, you know, we've got we've got what we believe is the ideal game weekend for Ag Day. We've got what we believe would be the ideal game day for for a homecoming and family weekend. So, right. and then all the others get kind of slotted in around those two. Yeah. So last weekend, softball um, game times were moved. We uh, went to a doubleheader on Friday. We're trying to get a game in at 11 a.m. on Saturday, but that looked like it got pushed back when we drove over there. Um, who makes that decision for that? I know as a, as a longtime baseball coach, that was usually my decision. Um, although I worked with my AD and then if it was close enough to game time with the umpires. So was this Jen's decision? Like it, it's, you know, I think it's just as you described, you know, we, we do things really collaboratively, you know, we want to provide all the support we can to Jen and her team. And, and, you know, when it comes to weather related, issues you know it's a conversation with our facilities folks so that's mark paquette and his staff and and jen and and you know the opposing team and uh you know not not so much the officials you know i think the coaches and and our facility staff are able to make those calls and they're they're monitoring the weather carefully you know um and this time of year you know there's a lot of uncertainty and and things change pretty rapidly uh but you know there's there's usually good enough information to make um, you know, as informed decisions about when to play. And that that's one of the things too about, you know, we're, we're right now um, uh, planning to, to, you know, well, we're the softball soccer complex is, is going to be coming out of the ground pretty soon. So um, one of the things that, that, that will likely address with that is, is a synthetic surface for the outfield. Um, and then that gives us, some more flexibility as to you know play um the other thing we're we're looking to do for both facilities is do field lighting so then that effectively extends you know the opportunities for play too so you know when we've got a weekend series if the weather looks good on on friday and saturday and maybe not so good on sunday then you know you can compress games into both those two days by shoot you know turn the lights on and and playing under the lights to extend the day so that's that's one of the things that we're doing from, you know, you know, student welfare perspective and also just, you know, the fan experience too. And that's probably the thing that those, both those programs are most excited about is the prospect of playing under the lights. Well, looking really forward to seeing you here in a couple of days out there in Vegas, Joe, and uh, are we expecting a, a good Ram following? Yeah, we've, we've uh, blown through our allotment. So we've sold the 500 tickets that, that were, um, you know, allocated to every school. I think most schools have this year, so it should be a really good showing and would expect that we'll 
there'll be other people in the building, you know, Ram fans that source their tickets through other means. We're, uh, we're at the Weston Hotel on Flamingo, and we're trying to make that kind of the epicenter of, of uh, just impromptu gatherings for Rams. There's a nice lobby bar downstairs with a restaurant, and so pre and post, um, looking to try and get as many people here as possible just to, you know, share in the com camaraderie of being a CSU Ram and, and affording the team's send-offs too. So hope to see people here. Yeah. Can't wait. And you said uh, most of the other schools have sold their allot allotment as well. So you anticipate a pretty good showing at Thomas and Mac. Yeah, I think it's going to be, a, you know, as the week builds, I think it's going to be great crowds. That is awesome. Well, yeah, I saw an email from Cameron Link uh, a couple of days ago about all the events surrounding, um, you know, there's a couple of things, official things in here after games, post-game happy hour in the Western lobby bar. So we'll definitely be seeing you over there. And there's also some was alumni stuff going on before the game in Thomas and Mac? Is that alumni that's putting that on? Yeah, Christy and her team, there's there's a couple of meeting rooms on the backside of Thomas and Mac. So um, the Alumni Association has always put that together. So it's a little pregame activity right on site. And the coaches usually are able to come in and, and speak to the group before, before the ball tips. That's going to be great. But uh, Joe, thanks so much for all your time. Appreciate it. Uh, let's get some women's wins here and then some men's wins later in the week. Absolutely, for sure. All right, we'll talk. Appreciate to you. it, guys. Thank you. All right, bye bye. Thanks for being on with us. All right, our guest Joe Parker was brought to you by Mighty River Brewing Company. They've been such great supporters of RamNation.com. I ask our fans to give back to them. They've got a dozen beers on tap. I encourage you to get in there and try them. One of their newer releases is called From the Deep Bourbon Barrel Aged English Strong Ale. It's delicious. They released it back in December. It's available on draft in the tap room or available also in growlers or four-pack cans to go. Plus, they've got all their old standbys as well as the Little Brookie Hazy IPA. It's a low-carb, low-calorie American-style beer. Owner Dan Miller is taking care of those of us who are trying to drop a few LBs in 2022. Thank you, Dan. Dan's a great Ram fan, longtime Ram Nationer. You should stop in, say hi to him. Beers are only 5 bucks on Mondays and Tuesdays. And if you show Ram Nation on your phone any other day, get $1 off your beers. That's Mighty River Brewing Company. And in the next few weeks, we should be able to announce we've got Joe Parker on board for a fan Q&A event at Mighty River. We'll go in there. Fans will be invited to sit in, drink beer, ask questions of Joe, and to hear what's the latest in the athletic department. Got a couple other things in the works for that day as well. So stay tuned. We'll get a date announced fairly soon on that. Really appreciate all of you for listening. Let's hope for a great run here. Let's hope the women do some damage here in the next couple days. And Thursday, let's have a three-game run where the Rams sweep, win the conference championship, get a high seed, and go into the NCAA tournament. And it's going to be a fantastic couple of weeks here. Great time to be a Ram. Enjoy the rest of your week. I'm Joel Hanlon Massa for Mike Rowe. Go Rams.